Now, it's no secret that Africa is rich in re natural resources. This positions the continent for the production and development of bioenergy, which could substitute the use of fossil fuels as we journey towards net zero emissions by 2050. Yang Gonyama, consultant at Frost & Sullivan, joins us to discuss opportunities for fossil fuels on the continent. Yeah, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. All right, yeah, let's first talk about the potential for biofuels on the continent. You know, um, you know, should we get this right? Um, what could biofuels do for our, our energy security on the continent? Well, I think as you've just mentioned, you know, Africa is well endowed with several different natural resources and various different processes that if we're able to harness some of these um, different, I would say, biome-based materials, we could be able to offset a lot of our fuel imports and you know like you've mentioned a lot of the a lot of different countries throughout the region are predominantly reliant on fuel imports and as economies progress the expense of this is becoming an issue for a lot of economies and being able to transition to being able to be a little bit more self-reliant being able to regenerate our own kind of fuels would benefit various economies and i mean the benefits they stem from you know, job creation, uh, reliance on imports, which means that the economic, the amounts that come countries spend on your imports reduces, as well as the fact that, of course, that our carbon emissions reduce and our, our CO2 um, footprint drops as well. All right, sounds good. So let's talk about what is already happening on the continent. Um, you know, in terms of biofuels, are there territories where, um, you know, we are advancing and where there's potential, for instance, for instance, I know Ethiopia is a huge um, agricultural country. You know, does that mean there's lots of potential there? Um, how are we tracking progress? Well, I mean, throughout the region, different countries are making use of different um biomass um, feedstocks to be able to generate different biofuels. So, for example, in Ethiopia, um, they have been able to, you know, change their mandates to be able to look at biomass. Um, a lot of countries are also traditionally, we all have been being able to use, you know, like coal um, wood predominantly to generate for cooking, of course, for cooking. Um, South Africa as well has quite um, a robust bioethanol um, industry whereby we're able to produce of course bioethanol from different feedstocks whether it be your molasses your sugarcane as well as that of your maize and um, we're also seeing also in south africa um we are seeing that we are being able to convert waste we are making use of waste um to be able to generate fuels we've also seen that um in south africa as well we're using vegetable oils to be able to generate um biodiesel in Kenya, we've also seen that a lot of those countries also being able to progress in terms of their biogas programs. They're also looking at being able to generate biogas with um, making use of different feedstocks as well. Um, we've also seen, for example, in, in Zambia as well, where they are also trying to reduce their reliance on particularly their fuel imports, because of course they're a landlocked company, country, and they are more so affected by the shocks of global transitions in fuel um, fuel distribution, of course. So they have also looked into be able to generate their own bioethanol and then making use of that bioethanol to be able to blend it within their fuel. We've also seen um, a country like Zimbabwe, particularly due to the the, the, the invasion of Ukraine and the, the ramifications of the, of the supply chains in terms of their fuel structure, 
Zimbabwe has also ramped up their bioethanol mandate to be able to, number one, reduce the cost of fuel for, for their consumers and also increase the availability of the fuel throughout the country. Yes, it sounds good. It sounds like we are making footing, but we can always, I'm sure, use more policy to, you know, fast track this. So let's speak about policy, um, the kinds of policy we'd have to see coming out of the continent or of the region um, in order to, to accelerate this process. Because, I mean, we do have like a 2050 deadline here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely agree with you. You know, there are certain changes that, you know, governments need to come make into place. And I think one of the main things where we've seen that some people are a bit hesitant of making use of biofuels is the fact that the food security and making sure that when we are being able to extract, for example, maize and use this for bioethanol, it's not impacting our food. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where different policies need to come into place where we're able to allocate certain lands where these lands are being specifically designed to be you know maize for example is grown specifically in particular for that of um, bioethanol but i think we still have a long way to go in the fact of we need to of course be able to allocate land and it needs to be the land that is not going to hinder already rural small farmland it's not going to be able to displace people it's not going to you know, destroy our natural habitats already. You know, there's different policies and different different entities that all need to come together to be able to sit down to actually plan this out quite well. Um, I know some people have also, you know, said that, you know, Brazil has commercialized their bioethanol market and, you know, there has been the idea of being able to replicate that in Africa, but it's, it's not as straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, the continent is big. Different countries have different policies. They have different ways of doing things, different ways of progressing. And I think each country is unique in that sense, Mm -hmm. which means that for each country, depending on the availability of that resource, you obviously then need to look at what's available, what can be done, and what will, at the end of the day, be able to benefit the country, benefit the people, and essentially be able to benefit the continent as a whole. So, yeah, one thing we keep hearing, though, also is climate change, the threat that, um, you know, poses to food security. Does climate change also then, you know, pose a threat to the development of this biofuel sector um, on the continent? Of course, um, climate change is a factor that we obviously we need to take into account. Climate change would affect the way we grow up, the way we grow our crops. It affects the type of lands that we use. It affects you know, the rain patterns, we, we, we need to take into that into consideration. And, you know, you need to be able to, we need to understand, you know, from a forecasting perspective, what we expect the climate to shift, mm-hmm. be able to look at certain crops that might be more resilient. And when I say resilient, of course, that also raises some flags. And, you know, it needs to be resilient in the sense that it's also affordable because mm-hmm. increasing the resilience of a crop might be that we might now have to increase, for example, our fertilizer consumption. Mm-hmm. But we could do so in such a way that still takes into account the fact that we're not um, polluting our downstream waters with the amount of fertilizers we're using because that's also a factor. You know, being able to grow crops that are, um, you know, in a pesticide as well as um, insect resilient, for example, um, resilient crops that are able to withstand these different changes within the climate and doesn't also degrade the land in such a way that now we have increased amounts of erosion, for example. Well, yeah, it's a pleasure catching up with you and really getting your insights on um, this biofuel sector on the continent. Hope we can stay in touch and keep talking about, you know, such interesting sectors there. That was Yang Gonyama, consultant at Frost & Sullivan.